Today on Not Sam Wrestling, it's been quite a weekend for wrestling around the world. We ended Friday with what I thought was a very good SmackDown. We'll break it all down. A lot to talk about today on Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Oh, yeah. Are we ready to start this week? Are we ready to get things going? Happy Monday. And welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. I'm happy to be here with you. Happy to start this week right talking about wrestling. The amount of time I spend thinking about wrestling, I'm glad I have this outlet. Otherwise, there would be a lot of wasted thought. And there's a lot that I've been thinking about this week, actually, that we'll, uh, we'll break down today. Welcome. Hope everybody is uh, coming off of a good weekend. You know, I was talking on my YouTube show, on my Sam Roberts Now YouTube show, which I do on Friday nights. I do it right after SmackDown. And you can usually catch, I mean, if you're watching closely enough, what kind of a mood I'm in. But it really is interesting the way wrestling will change my mood. I guess I, uh, maybe I care too much. I think we're probably all in the same boat, though. It's a weird thing, man. If wrestling is good, just watching it on television at home will put me on a high like nothing else. But if wrestling is bad, oh, don't cross me. If I just watch some bad wrestling, I don't want to talk about anything. I don't want to talk about a thing. All that said... On Friday, coming off of SmackDown, was in a good mood. I thought uh, SmackDown on Friday was the best it's been uh, in a while. And I'll tell you why. It's for the same reason. That seemed abrupt, the end of that song just now. I was trying to fade it out lightly as we went. And I feel like I got a little bit ahead of myself. Um, uh, I'll tell you why. I think that it was good. It's because they stuck to storylines. It's because there was so much going on. You know, there were good matches. But the money is when you combine good matches with meaty storyline, with something that has people talking. At the end of the day, the conversation of, did you hear what happened to this character? I wonder what's going to happen with him is always going to be a more compelling conversation, a better conversation, and a conversation that is going to make you more likely to tune in next week than, oh, man, there were some good matches on the show. When you can do both, well, that's when you're hitting it out of the park. That's when it's just home runs left and right. What can I tell you? You're doing everything right. There's no reason to even have a podcast anymore at that point. But, you know, SmackDown... But that's the thing. Like, SmackDown has some such good wrestlers. Raw does, too. I mean, there's such good wrestling available in WWE right now. It's just putting it on that platform and then also telling those stories. You know, I thought, uh, who would have thought SmackDown would end up on Fox and the opening match would be AJ Styles versus Grand Metalik for the Intercontinental Championship. But in reality... That's what the Intercontinental Championship is supposed to be about. Now, there are rumors out there that Daniel Bryan had a lot to do with it. That Daniel Bryan actually behind the scenes uh, is is listened to. That he comes up with a lot of suggestions, and a lot of those suggestions are listened to. And it started with suggestions for his character, but it's gone far beyond that. And I believe that. When you look at, for instance, the amount of attention that's been paid to Drew Gulak, I would imagine the the reason that amount of attention is being paid to Drew Gulak, let's be honest, is because of Drew. Is because Drew Gulak is so good. It's because when you put a microphone in front of his face, he's entertaining. When you put him inside a squared circle with four ropes surrounding him and an opponent, he puts on an amazing show. But I believe the reason that he's even he was even afforded the opportunity to that could easily have been Because Daniel Bryan suggested it. Because Daniel Bryan said, this is the guy that I want to work with. And once he worked with Daniel Bryan, people were like, oh, maybe this this Bryan Danielson character knows what he's talking about. Maybe this Daniel Bryan fella, maybe he actually knows a thing or two about this wrestling stuff. So 
I can believe that if that's true. It's rumors. I don't I don't I didn't ask anybody, but I can believe it. Uh and the rumor is that that's where the Grand Metal League opportunity came from, which I can buy that too. And I think it's an appropriate opportunity. I think that it is something where you don't need to just have one or the other. When you've got an act like the Lucha House Party and you kind of decide, well, they're never going to main event WrestleMania, right? We're never going to have a WrestleMania headline by, I don't know, Lince Dorado. Because of, not because of any shortcoming Lince Dorado has, but just because that's what this product is. And you go, okay. That doesn't mean that you then have to turn around and turn them into strictly an entertainment act. And it also doesn't mean that they shouldn't be an entertainment act. You know, I think if, if there's anything you can learn from Lucha House Party, it's interesting about Lucha House Party because anytime they're afforded an opportunity to shine in the ring, they deliver. And from an entertainment perspective, I mean, kids love them. People love them. Bright colors, enthusiastic, turquoise T-shirts, piñatas, you know, it's hard to go wrong. But I love that Grand Metalik was put in that spot to display how good he is. And I felt like, you know, because I've been critical before about people just getting jobbed out, jobbed out, jobbed out, jobbed out. We get we get conditioned to go, oh, that guy? Oh, he's cool, but he's a loser. Oh, that guy? Oh, no, he seems like a good guy, but he never wins anything. You can't just take somebody like that and go, oh, well, now, because they weren't on TV for three weeks, now they win more often than they used to. Oh, how did they learn how to win? I don't know. They just started winning. That's the thing with Apollo Crews that I think uh, has never quite clicked in. Not even necessarily through the fault of Apollo Crews. It's just we watch this guy lose and do nothing for so long that to just all of a sudden start winning matches, you got to give me something more on a bone than that. You got to give me something more than that for me to know, okay, this Apollo Crews thing is real. Because if he just starts winning matches, there's no reason for me to believe that he's not going to stop winning matches at some point. And if I think that he's going to go back to being what he was before just as quickly as he started winning these matches, I'm not going to put the energy into into getting hyped up about him again. And that's a real thing, I think. Um, but with the Grand Metalik match, I don't think that the purpose was to make anybody think that Grand Metalik is going to win the Intercontinental Championship. I don't think anybody went into that match thinking, ah, Grand Metalik is going to be the one who finally dethrones the champion AJ Styles. And quite frankly, I think if we watch Grand Metalik beat AJ Styles, we'd be sitting there going, there's a dire problem going on here. The WWE is in serious trouble. But I think that there is something to be said for, even if you lose the match, showing somebody in the light that you showed Grand Metalik in, educating viewers uh, into what that guy's abilities actually are, that, I think, is a very valuable thing you can do. There's no reason why at some point the Lucha House Party should not be SmackDown Tag Team Champions. When they did that SmackDown Elimination Chamber tag match, they people they were the tag team that you left that match talking about, and you people were even able to look past the fact that they got eliminated in such a disgusting manner, like their elimination where they just tore the house down and then randomly got pinned and then were eliminated from the match. People actually, I mean, people were annoyed by it, but they weren't furious because it was like, at least we got to see Lucha House Party be amazing for a little bit. They got to do super Lucha things, you know? And that's what Lucha House Party is all about at the end of the day. I don't think, when you look at the New Day, for lack of a better term, has held the tag division hostage on SmackDown because no tag team comes close to the New Day. Maybe the Usos, you know, basically the tag division became a match between the New Day and the Usos. Probably one of the reasons why the Revival wasn't having such a great time over on on in on the main roster at all. But realistically, 
what else are you going to do? The New Day is in the conversation for the best tag teams of all time. The New Day is in that you're like, well, are they a faction or a tag team? I would say a tag team the same way I would say the Freebirds were a tag team. And by the way, most tag teams you would never utter in the same sentence as the fabulous Freebirds. But the New Day are one of those tag teams. So when you've got on your roster a team that could be literally the greatest tag team of all time, it's tough to not make them the champions most of the time. It's tough. It's also tough to break them up because why would you? Uh, now that we're in this position, which we'll talk about more, uh, Big E's showing on SmackDown. Uh, now that we're in this position where the New Day aren't around as a unit, I think it becomes very easy. I think uh, also the, the Usos aren't around as a unit. I think now might be a decent time to talk about putting some tag team gold or silver, I think those those titles are, around the waist of the Lucha House Party. I think people would get behind it. You know, I think that that having another good guy team be your champions and be a strong team, not fluke into into being champions. But I, I, I think that it is high time that as a team, we watch those guys have a run where they start using their offense and it starts being shown as an offense that other superstars can't get around. They have this unique lucha influenced offense that other superstars simply cannot find a defense for. I think that Graham Metalik showing having such a good showing in this match with AJ Styles, I would hope brings the Lucha House Party into this level where they can start winning tag matches and eventually get the tag team championship. Uh, I, 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 that, that, that's the way I would do it. I don't know if I would do it as soon as SummerSlam or right after SummerSlam, uh, but I would do it pretty quick. I think that that's a team that you can reliably put those tag titles on and, and make it something that people want to see. I mean, you know, I, I, I think that nobody doesn't like Lucha House Party. Nobody doesn't like them, so... That's the way I, I, I felt about that match. But the real, I think the story coming off of SmackDown was what happened at the end of SmackDown. I think it was one of those great moments that nobody saw coming that in the conversations about this Alexa Bliss, Nikki Cross thing, look, some people forecast Nikki Cross as being like, okay, this is her time. Uh, she has been called out multiple times for losing. Uh, she's getting another match with Bailey. Maybe she'll win the women's championship. I didn't see that as a possibility just because you'd have to be a lunatic to take the women's championship on SmackDown off of Bailey right now and disrupt what you have with Sasha Banks and Bailey. There should be no disruption of the Sasha Banks and Bailey act right now. It is the best act in WWE. There should be no disruption of that act. Other people. I mean, you could see the turn coming, right? You could see Nikki Cross's behavior becoming a little more erratic. You could see Alexa Bliss not knowing quite what to make of her, which was ironic that that's the way things kind of felt. Because if you remember, I mean, when Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss got together, it will look like one of those key, not key, uh, uh, stereotypical wrestling relationships where you were going to end with, Mean girl Alexa Bliss stabbing, naive, I just need a friend, Nikki Cross in the back. Like, that seemed like where it was going. And I bet that that was the original plan. But I believe that people saw the chemistry of Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss together and just decided to keep them together as a unit. And I think for a period of time, that was a good thing. I think they were a good pick for a period of time as the women's tag champions. But realistically... They haven't really been doing anything. And the end of their run as tag champions was not, I mean, you know, a moment of bliss. It was one thing when it was like a heel talk show. But it literally just became a platform to do a promo on. It wasn't, there wasn't anything I don't think to it that made it unique. There just wasn't a lot going on 
with Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. And that says nothing about Alexa Bliss or Nikki Cross. Alexa Bliss, and here's something that I think people have forgotten about Alexa Bliss. Alexa Bliss recently, only two years ago, was on this run where she was knocking home run after home run after home run. Every ball that was pitched to her went out of the park. And that will conclude my baseball references for the day. This is not Sam wrestling, not not Sam pretends to watch baseball. But Alexa Bliss went on this run as women's champion that I don't even know if you guys remember. I guess it went up to, what was that, WrestleMania 33, 34? Maybe 34, I want to say. WrestleMania 34, didn't she lose it to Nia? But up until then, I mean, Alexa Bliss was an incredible women's champion. Alexa Bliss was the number one female star on that roster for a period of time. This was before Becky Lynch turned into Becky Lynch. And this was, I mean, this was the rise of Charlotte. But Charlotte had already been handpicked as the woman on that roster. And for good reason. Uh, But Alexa, for a period of time, had that position that Becky Lynch ended up taking and, you know, bringing with her to the moon. Alexa Bliss was never a star on the level of Becky Lynch, but she was the biggest star in the women's division. She was a credible champion that beat everybody. And then when she wasn't wrestling, she became that figurehead where I guess she was in charge of the women's division on Raw or whatever. But every time she would pick up a mic, every promo would be money, 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 money. Alexa Bliss is excellent at sports entertaining. She could do both sports and entertainment Extremely, extremely well. And I think that that's been forgotten. You know, I mean, you just look at Mattel and you don't even realize when they're going over the action figure lineup that they show the new Alexa Bliss figure at Comic-Con. I know because I was hosting the panel and she comes with the women's tag title and everything and the figure's awesome, right? But then you realize it's been forever since there was an elite Alexa Bliss figure. And it's not even something that felt like it was lacking because nothing's been done with Alexa Bliss lately. I think there was a collective excitement. I know we talked about it on this podcast when Alexa Bliss showed up uh, in the swamp at Extreme Rules uh, and, and kind of had the dark veil over her face. Maybe she was Sister Abigail, maybe she wasn't, and was luring Braun Strowman in. You know, they were calling back to the Mixed Match Challenge, which is a very odd thing to call back on. That's when you know maybe there's not so much history to dive into with the Braun Strowman character when we have to go back into Mixed Match Challenge on Facebook for uh, references. But nevertheless, she was there, and I think I spoke for a lot of people when I came on this podcast, and I was like, this is what Alexa Bliss needs to be doing. We need to fall into goth Alexa Bliss Alexa Bliss needs to be in this fun house. Um, Before the Swamp Match, well before the Swamp Match, um, like a month or two ago, I had said that I think Braun needs to turn. And whether he's the champion or not, he needs to turn and he needs to join the Firefly Funhouse and do Bray Wyatt's bidding. So twofold, number one, so there's more interest in the Braun Strowman character. And number two so that The Fiend doesn't have to wrestle in title matches and, and you know, cause us to mess up The Fiend, which I probably don't feel that way anymore. I think I would not be as excited if Braun were to turn now uh, just because I like this better. You know, I like Alexa Bliss there. Uh, to see that match end on Friday, and it really felt like the end of the show. Nikki shoves Alexa Bliss. Alexa Bliss is sitting on the mat going like, what happened? Uh, It felt like that's where this story's going. And it didn't feel special, but it didn't feel bad either. It felt like, okay, like that's, that's what happens in wrestling. There's a tag team and one of them turns on the other one and the one can't believe it. And then the one that can't believe it eventually beats the bad one who turned on him. and, And we keep going from there. And I was like, okay, we're doing a wrestling thing. And then when it goes, Fufum. 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 
and the lights start going out. The lights start going out in the performance center. I go, oh my goodness. I cannot believe it. They're going to cash in on this thing. Because I really, because it's been two weeks, I believe, since Extreme Rules. And no reference to Alexa Bliss being in the swamp has been made. So I'm going like, okay, that was just a thing for that moment. Maybe we'll say, if we want to go deep into canon, maybe we'll say uh, Bray and his demonic, you know, magical ways just got Alexa Bliss to appear for Braun. And that's what that was. And it's like, okay, all right. If that's where you're going, I can understand that. Makes sense. Not the way I would have gone. I would love to see something else, but that's fine. When we realize that it's not that, when we realize, okay, we gave it a week to breathe. And then the next week we come back and we go, wait, maybe there's more to that story than you think. When the lights go out and the red lights come on and the fiend, who, by the way, this is the first time we've seen the fiend. I think he might've come out for Braun Strowman, but we really haven't seen the fiend much since WrestleMania. He, the, the Fiend has not been who's come out since WrestleMania. We watched old school Bray Wyatt in the Swamp. We watched Sweater Bray Wyatt uh, in the singles match with Braun. So we really haven't seen much of The Fiend since he uh, murdered John Cena to death. So to see him come out and stand behind Alexa Bliss like that, I mean, I think it reminded people how amazing and valuable that Fiend character is. And he looked even bigger than he was before. I mean, I don't know what it is that Bray Wyatt is eating, and I don't know what it is that he is lifting. But that man is enormous. I mean, he looks like he could lift up the entire performance center as broad as his shoulders have gotten. He looks amazing. Perfect. He looks like a monster. Like a horror movie monster. Like a guy who if he kicked in your door and was staring at you, you'd go, oh my God, I'm going to die. You wouldn't go, oh, let me think of ways I could escape this. Oh, maybe I can reason with this guy. Oh, you go, oh my God, I think this is the end of my life. And then you know what? It really would be. You'd be right. Because there's no stopping this guy. So he shows up. He's behind Alexa Bliss, kind of, you know, I don't know, squats down next to her. And then he sinks that mandible claw deep. And I did not see that coming either. Sinking the mandible claw deep, I thought maybe he'd caress the face, back of the hand to the cheek. I thought, you know, I thought there were a few things he could have done. Mandible claw was not one of them. You don't see that intergender stuff happening very often. And... You left going, what does this mean? Now, for me, I feel like this, that was the Fiend ending Alexa Bliss. Like, when you look at who the Fiend has interacted with, it's changed everybody. It's changed everybody that he's interacted with. I mean... Jerry Lawler disappeared. Mick Foley disappeared. Finn Balor disappeared. We don't really talk about Goldberg. I don't know if... Let me think about it. Did Goldberg and The Fiend ever have a match together? No. I mean, there was that one paper... No. Okay, yep, nope. I've been racking my brain. Goldberg and The Fiend never had a match together, so we won't have to talk about that. Uh, But Seth Rollins, look at him. He's a different man. Everybody changes. I feel like the application of the mandible claw was the fiend using those two folian fingers to dig out the essence of Alexa Bliss. How's that for a visual for you? To pull them out of her soul and to replace that essence with a darkness. Um, We had a, 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 a brainstorm meeting for the Hall of Fame level shills on Patreon before this podcast. And one of the conversations that came up is what happens with Alexa Bliss now? Because I think that what inevitably happens when something cool like this occurs in WWE 
is that some people go like, oh, this is amazing. And then there are others that go like, I mean, everybody goes, this is amazing. There's always a few, you know, idiots that are like, it was dumb. Like, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't dumb. It was awesome. But even the people who think it was awesome, they go, ah, but I don't know. I don't think they're going to actually do this. What if they do that? What if they do this? There's always people that are pessimistic about it that go like, I, I'm, I'm worried that WWE isn't going to do this right. And that's fine. You know, I'm not mad at that as a, as a thing where you're like, you know, I just, I'm precautious when it comes to stuff like this. I'm a skeptic. That's fine. I probably don't want any of that negativity near me. You know, I'd rather have some fun and flesh out where this is going to go. Uh, the Hall of Fame level, not Sam Shills on our Patreon site, got into a Zoom meeting with me before we did this podcast to kind of brainstorm some of the stuff that had been happening. And one of the topics that came up was Alexa Bliss and how what if Alexa Bliss now has this dual personality the way The Fiend and Bray Wyatt have this dual personality, except maybe Alexa Bliss is not as familiar with her darker personality as Bray Wyatt is. You know, Bray Wyatt doesn't uh, pretend to be able to control the Fiend, but he's also not scared of the Fiend. Bray Wyatt is ready for the Fiend to come out at any moment. Maybe Alexa Bliss doesn't know why this is happening and doesn't want her, you know, version of the Fiend to come out, which is a possibility. I think it could get really interesting. Look, I love horror movies, especially like 80s, cheese ball horror movies. I love all that stuff. I love slasher flicks. I love all of it. So I'm ready for any of this stuff to happen. For me, I don't like the back and forth. I don't like the duality. I think that uh, that there is a power in Bray Wyatt's duality. That the idea that Bray Wyatt slips in and out of the fiend, Bray Wyatt in the funhouse, the fact that he has some kind of control over the Fiend, the fact that he is not always the Fiend, is what allows him to be the leader of that domain. It's what allows him to come across as being this uh, evil genius and not some guy who's tortured by this demon. Um, I think the best thing you can do right now, especially because, like I said, Alexa Bliss has been doing nothing for months. So what is Alexa Bliss right now? I couldn't tell you. I could tell you what Alexa Bliss was a year ago. I could tell you what Alexa Bliss was two years ago. But today, I don't know who or what Alexa Bliss is. I don't think it's worth having that duality. I think that you jump in headfirst with this thing. I think that, you know, maybe, maybe it is like a Stephanie McMahon, Vince McMahon, Triple H scenario where Stephanie lures her dad in to fight Triple H only to turn on him. That's possible. But I don't think Braun needs to be lured in to fight the Fiend. I, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, I guess I could see that. We haven't seen Braun come out of the pond or the lake or the swamp or whatever it was, the body of water that he fell into. So I guess I could see Alexa Bliss being held captive on SmackDown and that reawakens the monster from the bog. And then Braun Strowman comes back. But in order for that to work out, then you kind of have to put the universal title back on The Fiend. And then you end up stuck again. And a match that didn't happen before has to not happen again in order to get us back to where we were going before. I think Braun needs to lose that title to somebody else. Personally, I swear to God, I would put this uh, universal championship on King Corbin at SummerSlam. I would get away from all this stuff I would have The Fiend and Alexa Bliss figure out what The Fiend and Alexa Bliss are going to figure out. I, I don't know why. I mean, you would probably have to go back in time. I don't see how you could get from where we ended Extreme Rules to having Baron Corbin versus Braun Strowman. But I don't know. Maybe The Fiend just refuses the match with Braun Strowman. Or something like that. I don't know. But I would have Baron Corbin versus The Fiend uh, versus Braun Strowman. And I would put the universal title on Baron Corbin. I would make Baron Corbin the Iron Sheik of the modern era, which I guess would technically make Braun Strowman the Bob Backlund of the modern era, which I don't know if that example fits quite as well, but I would have Braun Strowman lose that title to Baron Corbin and then have Baron Corbin lose the title to somebody else, somebody that you wouldn't expect. 
I think it would be either Big E or Matt Riddle or or somebody that it's like, whoa, that guy's the champion now and start going in a brand new direction. You know, I would put the title on somebody young that hasn't had the title before and I would come off of Baron Corbin. And then I would go back. Like, I love, I, I think the idea of Braun and The Fiend having a rivalry is great. I just think it gets so complicated and convoluted with that universal title involved. I think you got to get that universal title out of there quickly. You know, I wouldn't even be opposed. Like, let's really shake things up. Let's really shake things up. What if Braun were to return next week on SmackDown and be convinced to put the title on the line against Baron Corbin? He's already got Shorty G in his corner. The Fiend shows his ugly head, distracting Braun Strowman, allowing Baron Corbin, do a title change on TV. Let's shake things up. Let's do something different. Have Baron Corbin next week on SmackDown win the Universal title from Braun Strowman, go on to SummerSlam and defend the Universal title against Matt Riddle. Can you imagine that if all of a sudden, you wouldn't be excited for that if all of a sudden for SummerSlam, you got Baron Corbin versus Matt Riddle for the Universal Championship? And Braun Strowman versus The Fiend over here? And something going on with Big E where you're like, oh, maybe he's going to get involved? You know, there's just a lot you could do with that. And maybe have Baron Corbin retain the title and have him beat Matt Riddle only to have Big E at the next pay-per-view beat Baron Corbin only to have Matt Riddle come back and say, okay, now I want a real shot and have Matt Riddle versus Big E. There's a lot of possibilities you could go to, but they all depend on getting the Universal Championship off of Braun Strowman, which I think is necessary for this to continue because I think the money in Braun Strowman right now is this story that he's got with The Fiend and Alexa Bliss. I think that Alexa needs to go full goth. I don't think she has to be Sister Abigail. I don't think that that being in The Fiend's corner and being a woman necessarily means you're Sister Abigail. I think you could just be Lexi. You know, if she's just like, I'm Alexa Bliss is gone. I'm just Lexi. And she's, you know, it sounds it sounds fun. It sounds friendly. Oh, our buddy Lexi. I'm your friend to the end. Like Chucky. And then she'll tear your jugular out of your throat with her teeth. You know? I think that that I mean, speaking of Chucky and child's play, I think modeling Alexa Bliss after Tiffany from the later, like the seed of Chucky and the bride of Chucky movies. Something like that. Maybe even put her in a creepy wedding dress or something like that. Put that, maybe a black wedding dress type thing with a black veil over her face. I mean, don't you love the idea of clearly having a horror movie villain in the men's division works in WWE? Alexa Bliss can wrestle. How great would it be if Alexa Bliss was just this little demonic monster that haunted the SmackDown women's division. That's what I want to see. I want to see Alexa Bliss go full Firefly Funhouse. And I want I want Alexa Bliss and Bray Wyatt to become the Mickey and Mallory of the WWE. I want natural born killers to come to SmackDown. I just want the men's division to not know what to do about The Fiend and the women's division to not know what to do about Lexi. Horror villains haunting all of SmackDown. And you can keep Bailey with the SmackDown women's title over here and everything. You can keep that all separate. But I want in short order, Alexa Bliss, full goth, on the side of the fiend, and just ready to die for him. Ready to end it all. Ready to burn down the house to make sure that their mission is accomplished. And I think Alexa Bliss has it in her. I think that this is the character that we've been waiting to see. I think if this is done right, this is going to bring Alexa Bliss to an entirely new level. I feel like this will be the, the only thing 
better than the original Alexa Bliss run. I think it's got money written all over it. I think it's great. So you already know how I feel about Baron Corbin. Uh, I was really happy to see him be shown in a more positive light on SmackDown. Uh, I think that the the Shorty G heel turn is the right way to go. Hopefully they change his dumb name. He just goes back to being Gable. You know, the idea of Gable being there at Baron Corbin's side because he took the money. I love that. You know, what is Matt Riddle going to do when he's nose-to-nose with a team who one of them towers over him and the other one can out-wrestle him? When all that, that, the brute strength, the size, and the cunning, that, that, that cunning that only a true villain like Baron Corbin can have is combined with the athleticism and pure wrestling ability of a Chad Gable. Now you got money. Now you got a situation where you can capitalize on Matt Riddle's past as a, as a legit MMA fighter. You can capitalize on that and still have that beautiful Baron Corbin storyline. That's what Baron Corbin adds. Story. Baron Corbin is a true character. You get who and what Baron Corbin is. You don't like Baron Corbin the way you're not supposed to like bad guys. I was I was very happy to see all that happen. And I thought Big E had a tremendous showing in his singles match with The Miz. I thought Big E had a tremendous showing. Uh, I think the singles push is going to work for him. I'm just going to say one thing. Tie-dye tights. Put him in trunks. Big E must wear trunks and they must be tie-dye. That's all. You have Big E come out in tie-dye trunks, ready to just take over the world, and my God, he will. He will take over the world if you afford him that opportunity. And by afford him that opportunity, I mean get a 3XL size pair of tie-dye trunks that you can let that man wear. Because once he does that, it's off to the races. Will he be ready for a title match at SummerSlam? I don't think so. That's why I would make the switch before SummerSlam now. I would let Baron Corbin have a little run with it, even if it's only six weeks long. And then maybe you put it on Big E, maybe you leave it on Corbin. Corbin, if given the title, will be a JBL-level heel champion, in my opinion. You know, I I mean, I, I think maybe Big E gets a shot. Here's what I would do. Have Corbin beat Matt Riddle, and then Big E gets the next shot at him. Big E gets the shot at the next pay-per-view. But Big E is still in that pleather singlet that he wears, and he loses. He doesn't win the match. And there's some chicanery involved. You know, Chad Gable is on the outside of the ring, and he gets involved. But he comes back to SmackDown after losing to Baron Corbin. He goes, maybe it's just not right. By then, six weeks will be up. He's like, Kofi, man, I'm ready to get back together. It just, I tried, I failed. I'm ready to do this. And Kofi refuses. Kofi refuses to put the team back together. Kofi goes, Big E, I won't be your partner. I'm not going to be your partner. Because this ain't over. And that's when it really kicks into gear. When Kofi tells him, I'm not going to tag team with you, Big E, because you need this. That's when we start to lose the New Day garb. That's when the singlet goes away and the tie-dye trunks come out. And I know you're sitting there going like, you think I'm joking around. You think I'm making a big deal over nothing. This isn't that. It's not a big deal over nothing. It's a big deal over something. It's going to make all the difference in the world. You're going to look at him as a different athlete. You're going to look at him as a main event guy, a completely different competitor whose roots has not been forgotten because the trunks are tie-dye. You understand? You got to see those big thighs. You got to see those meaty quads. You got to see that big old chest of his. You got to see those arms in all their glory. Look at the size of this big E. That's what you got to see. And I think it'll work. I really, I really think it'll work. If you do it that way, I mean, you could go quicker than that, I suppose, but 
I wouldn't. You could go quicker than that. You could you could have him ready by SummerSlam and put him in some kind of title thing. But again, with Braun Strowman as the champion, it's all a mess. It's all a mess. You got to get that title off Braun, and you got to do it this week. Hey, uh, speaking of this week and 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 the wrestling world talking, um, a lot of people were talking about the Talking Shop pay per view, Talking Shop Mania. Uh, I saw it. My uh, own reflection is that I found it to be the worst pay per view ever. It was the worst pay per view of all time. You know, I mean, you had guys out there that had no business being on pay per view. I'll tell you this, though. You let Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows just go off and do their own thing, they will create an entire world. They will create an entire universe for themselves and be just fine. You know, I thought that uh, I thought that the pay-per-view was great because I think with wrestling, people from outside the wrestling world just look at wrestling like it's one thing. Just a bunch of, just two guys fake fighting in a ring, the good guy beats the bad guy. And that's how people outside of wrestling think of it. And whatever, more power to you then, you ignorant bastard. But the truth is that wrestling can be multi-layered. Wrestling can be the most creative of all art forms. Certainly, if you're going to put it in the sports category, it could be way more creative than any other sport. But in, in all art forms, I mean, wrestling is like filmmaking. Like when you get into filmmaking, that can mean 150,000 different things. The same thing can be said for wrestling. Not everything is sort of the mainstream wrestling thing. The same way if you're going to make a movie, not everything is boy meets girl, boy and girl fall in love, boy and girl fall out of love, boy and girl fall in love again. Not every movie is like that. If you want to, if you're trying to get into a, a multiplex and sell a bunch of popcorn for the theaters, then yes, you'll do that movie or you'll do Super Man Becomes Superhero, Superhero Becomes a Hero, Superhero Meets a Foe That Makes Him Doubt His Abilities, Superhero Gets the Rah Rah Speech That Brings Him Back to Speed, Superhero Defeats the Bad Guy. Those are the two movies that you can make if you're trying to sell yourself some popcorn. But that doesn't mean that those are the only types of movies that exist. There are a plethora of streaming services that exist. There's independent movie theaters. There's straight to Blu-ray. There's all these other ways. You could just put it up on YouTube if you want to. There's all these other ways to create film. You could you could make a film and take it on the road yourself. Try to build it up that way. And you can do whatever you want. What Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson did was they clearly signed up to be patrons. They signed up to be not Sam Shills. Uh, and they heard, they were like, well, I want to be a not Sam Shill because I know that the not Sam Shills get an extra not Sam wrestling podcast every week. There's a second not Sam wrestling podcast every Thursday, Thursday, not Sam Thursday, that is exclusive to the Not Sam Shells at patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling for less than a dollar a week. That's what they said to themselves. So they signed up for it. And they started listening to these shows. And they heard that as soon as all the WWE talent got released, including Gallows and Anderson, I did a Patreon-exclusive show where I created a fantasy wrestling promotion and said if I won the lottery, because we can't do live shows right now, I would get a ring, I would set it up in my backyard, and I would put on the most professional backyard wrestling promotion of all time with all these superstars that were no longer signed uh, to WWE contracts. And I built a whole card, and I told you what I was going to do and everything. Well, come to find out, a month or two later, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson are putting a ring in Luke Gallows' backyard, and they're putting on a pay-per-view called Talking Shop of Mania. Look, I'm more than happy to share my idea with them, and I hope that it worked out for them. But they proved not only that they are Patreon subscribers to Not Sam Wrestling, but they proved that wrestling can look a lot different. You know, as long as it's authentic. 
I mean, I think that was the attraction to talking Shopamania, which you can get. I got on the Fight app. I love the Fight app. There's so much wrestling that you could get on the Fight app. Just yesterday afternoon, GCW is running a show that you could watch live on the Fight app. It was great. I, I love the Fight app. Uh, but it was authentic. The show was what the show purported to be, what the show wanted to be. It was a bunch of guys doing what makes them happy. It was Chavo Guerrero saying he was going to shoot murder somebody. (laughs) It was commentary not stopping talking about rapid delivery Rory Fox's penis. It was just, at the end of the day, it was a bunch of guys getting together and doing stuff that popped themselves. And it ended up popping a whole bunch of other people. So I would say that the whole thing was, it's certainly a win for wrestling fans, for us. Uh, but, I mean, I think it was a win for the industry. I love that there's, the more avenues, the better. Gallows and Anderson just proved that you can do something like this. Who knows who's going to be the next person to set something up, you know? I see this, and I actually think to myself, if I put some money together, I literally could do not Sam Amania. I could put on a wrestling show if I wanted to because technology has made it so you can share that with the world now. So who knows? Who knows who's going to be next to do it? But I think it was just a great example of what's possible in this uh, in this world of professional wrestling. Um, speaking of other shows, interesting little tidbit, you know, Maybe next week. At some point, we got to talk about uh, Guilty Pleasures on the WWE Network because there's so much content on the WWE Network now. You can watch really good stuff or really bad stuff. The really good stuff I watch on the WWE Network, I watch all the uh, Untolds. I think those are great. All the documentaries are always great. But the Untold specifically I love. The photo shoot shows I love. Um, I love that they put up all those old ECW Super Show home videos. Those are amazing. Amazing. I would definitely go back and watch those. Um, My guilty pleasure right now is I'm literally re-watching. I don't even want to say it. I'm re-watching the first couple seasons of NXT. And I'm not talking about the ones that were on Hulu. I'm talking about the ones that were on sci-fi. I'm talking about the reality show NXT. I'm talking about the first season, which gave us the Nexus, and the second season, which gave us, like, nothing. Although Michael Cole cuts a hell of a promo on the second-to-last episode of season two about why Alex Riley should win NXT and Caval should be eliminated. It is really funny watching that show and just watch, looking looking at Husky, knowing how well Husky Harris is going to do and looking at how pissed off he gets on that show. I got to interview Bray again at some point, and I really want to pick his brain about that show because when you go back and watch it, I mean, he is furious, furious about being there. He feels humiliated, and he should. I mean, they were going out of their way to humiliate those guys. But that's my guilty pleasure. I'll tell you a show because I don't watch most of the, like, it's wrestlers doing other stuff show. Like, I watch WWE Network because I like wrestling. I like documentaries about wrestling, and then I like wrestling shows. So I watch the pay-per-views. I watch old pay-per-views. I watch old TVs. Like, I watch wrestling or I watch documentaries about wrestling. But I had no interest in, like, Swerved, you know. Anything that's, that's, it's not wrestling, but we're using wrestlers. Like, even the camp WWE stuff, I might have watched, like, one episode of it. But, like, I'm not trying to watch a cartoon. Like, if I'm going to watch a cartoon... It better be true stories that they animate or something like that. So a show that I did not think that I would be into at all is the R-Truth game show. And has nothing to do with anything except I don't want to watch wrestlers on a game show. I want to watch wrestlers wrestling or I want to watch wrestlers talking about wrestling. And I know you're saying like, well, WWE wasn't, doesn't want to limit their scope. Bro, here's the thing about wrestling fans. If I didn't have a job, if I didn't have to talk about what's going on in the world for a living, if I just had a regular job, say, if I worked in an office job, 
And I was cool with it. I was making my good salary. Work my nine to five. If I was working a nine to five, here's the way it would go. I would wake up in the morning. I would see my kids. I would go to work. While at work, I'd be watching wrestling stuff on YouTube. I would come home from work, have dinner with the wife and kids, put the kids to bed. I watch wrestling until two o'clock in the morning. And then I wake up and start the process again. But I got to watch other stuff because I got to know what's going on in the world. If I didn't have to know what's going on in the world, forget about it. Forget about it. It would be wrestling all the time. And I think most, a lot of wrestling fans are like that. So there's no reason to widen the scope. That said, I turned on the R-Truth game show because I like R-Truth so much. Because I like him as a person. Uh, you know, he's been in here in the Not Sam studio. I believe... As a matter of fact, the last two guests in the Not Sam studio before COVID, it was R-Truth on a Friday and Dave LaGreca from Busted Open on a Sunday. Those were the last two people in this studio. Since then, it's been me and only me for like four months. Man, that's wild. Uh, But I turned on the R-Truth game show because I like R-Truth. He's a good dude. And because, uh, because he's entertaining. Because I have faith in R-Truth as an entertainer. If anybody can pull this off, I figured it was him. And God was I right. Because that R-Truth game show is a riot. It is a blast. It's fun. It's funny. It's just a good time. I loved watching the R-Truth game show. I've only seen the first episode so far. The one that has uh, Seamus and Alexa Bliss on it. But... I mean, the stuff with both of them is so good. Truth is just so good with those one-liners, just throwing them at people. I mean, the whole show is great. It's really, really, it's a fun show, and I would absolutely recommend you guys watch that show. But what's really interesting, and what I really think is going to get people watching this show, and I don't think that this was filmed way in advance because all the games are done over, uh, you know, uh, Skype or Zoom or whatever they're using. So the wrestlers are in their houses, and our truth is in his house, his bat cave, as he described it here on the Not Sam Wrestling Podcast. Uh, everybody's in their own spots. So I can't imagine that this was taped before any of this happened, which is even more interesting that this week's guests that I haven't seen yet on the Truth Our Truth Game Show are Drake Maverick, who, you know, I think is gonna be a blast because he's I mean, as entertaining as his characters have been on TV. We haven't even scratched the surface with how entertaining this guy actually is. And Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is doing the R-Truth show. And that's going to be really interesting because that's the this is the first time Roman Reigns has done anything with a WWE logo on it since right before WrestleMania. And it's interesting on a couple of different levels. Uh, it's interesting because Roman Reigns decided to do it and it's interesting because WWE decided to do it. You know, WWE has avoided talking about Roman Reigns altogether. I think that that was just because they didn't want to. It's one, That's the way the WWE has always done business. You know, Roman's not going to be on the show. So we're not going to we're going to act like he doesn't exist. And hopefully people will forget about him for today. And they will look at the people on the show as the big stars. Because a lot of people probably would be tuning in wanting to see Roman Reigns. And I, I get that philosophy. But. I mean, it's really interesting. They must, because people are going to be tuned in for this. They must really want the R-Truth game show to do well because people are, are just curious to see Roman after all this time. Um, I think it's, ultimately it's a good look because clearly it means that there's not some kind of weird animosity going on. But it is interesting that this is the venue that WWE would decide to bring Roman back for. Very, very interesting. And I'll be tuned in. I'll be I'll be tuned in. I'm anxious to see how it goes. Um, yeah, and Ref Marsh is in the Discord. He said it somehow made Seamus and Alexa a hundred times more relatable. It really did. And all well, all of a sudden you see them as human beings. And if there's one thing that we've learned throughout the history of wrestling, it's like uh, relatability is important. Like you can't just be sort of over-the-top cartoon characters anymore. People want to feel an intimacy with the people that they are entertained by. 
You know, look at every every talk show host. Like there isn't this, you know, platform that they're standing on above people. There is a, a familiarity where it's like, no, I want to feel like this guy is in my living room every night. With wrestlers, it's the same way. When you feel like, oh, you know what? I'd be friends with that guy in real life. The same way I was just saying, I was literally just saying, the reason I turned on this R-Truth game show is number one, because R-Truth's a good dude, because I like him. Now, most people have not had R-Truth in their home studio, so they wouldn't be able to say that. But if you can relate to this person that you see on television and go, he seems like a good dude, all of a sudden you're going to be way more invested in everything he or she does. So I think that that's very, very valuable. Um, Coming up tonight on Monday Night Raw, I guess Apollo Crews is finally coming back. They've already started promoting it. Uh, MVP, I don't know if it's MVP. I think it's MVP versus Apollo Crews. I think they said they're opening Raw tonight with MVP versus Apollo Crews, unless they're just confronting each other. Uh, But in the the graphic, they're going Sean Razor with this one. Both MVP and Apollo Crews are wearing the United States Championship. Uh, I mean, I feel like technically MVP is right. If Apollo Crews just didn't show up to the match, he's right. But if the match got canceled, he's wrong. So I'm anxious to see. I mean, hopefully Apollo turns on everybody tonight. That's what you got to hope for. And not just for the sake of our entertainment, but for the sake of Apollo Crews. I don't think anybody is sitting there going like, I think Apollo Crews is the future anymore. In this moment, because of what's gone on with his character, you know, I I think that they can get back there if he just turns on everybody. I think he has to turn on everybody. I think he has to show up with Ricochet and Cedric and maybe Ali. And the Hurt Business shows up, Shelton, Lashley, P. And MVP just needs to stare him down and go, I believe I have something that belongs to you. And hand him the United States Championship. Just hand it back to him. And that's going to leave Apollo's boys perplexed. And that's when Apollo turns around and just levels them just lays them all out. And then the rest of the Hurt Business lay them all out. And that's what the Hurt Business looks like now. It's Apollo Crews. It's Bobby Lashley. It's Shelton Benjamin. It's MVP. You need to form, I mean, MVP, the beatdown clan in TNA was, in Impact, was great. It was one of the best things. Impact, it's interesting with Impact because throughout their history, there have been some factions that have really come along and saved the day. I think the main event mafia saved impact for that period of time. I think in the very beginning, the uh, aces and eights was a big deal for TNA. I think that really worked well in the beginning. It got real messy, but in the beginning, I think it was very good. And then, you know, in the era of impact, when they were shooting like, you know, four or five weeks of TV at the Manhattan Center and stuff like that. The Beatdown Clan was a big deal. And speaking of Caval, that was uh, MVP. That was low-key. Was Samoa Joe still there? I think Kenny King was in that. But that was really, what that was based on was that group of friends. And that really became a public thing on this podcast. This podcast has so much history to it, man. Uh, Before that even happened in Impact, I did an interview that I absolutely loved with the Wu-Tang Clan of professional wrestling. And it was MVP. It was Homicide. It was Low Key. And it was Samoa Joe. And man, I can't think of a cooler more badass faction than MVP, Homicide, Samoa Joe, and Loki. I mean, that group of guys could destroy anybody. I think that that is the vibe that the Hurt Business should try to recapture. The Hurt Business needs to be the Wu-Tang of WWE. 
They need to be cool. They need to be badasses. And they need to be unstoppable. Right now, Bobby, Shelton, P, they're good. But if you added Apollo and Apollo was a badass instead of a nice guy, it's money. It is money all over it. Now, you add Apollo to that, and they're all badass dudes, and they're just kicking the crap out of everybody. Now you've got a scenario where instead of MVP week to week going and asking people to join his group, he needs to have people asking to join it. He needs to have people coming up to him and going, hey, can I be in your group? And then the Hurt Business coming on and acting in the business of Hurt. I'm still not against Ali joining, by the way. But, yeah, I really hope Apollo turns tonight. I really hope that's where we're going. And the Hurt Business ends up being the WWE's version of the Wu-Tang Clan. Expectations are high. What can I tell you? Expectations are high, as they should be each and every week, for Not Sam Wrestling. I appreciate you guys being here. I appreciate you guys hanging out. We will see you next week right here on Not Sam Wrestling. Toodaloo! Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling.